Folks, the holiday season is off and rolling with the NFL in full stride and the NBA and NHL hitting mid-season form. BetOnline is your number one destination for all your sports wagering info. With up-to-the-minute sports wagering news, odds, trends, and predictions, BetOnline is the top spot for everything pro and amateur sports. Not just the Big Four, BetOnline has info available at your fingertips with both desktop and mobile access at any time for almost any sport that's played, from MMA to international soccer. Head to BetOnline today and remember to use our promo code BLEAV for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. Enjoy the show. So, Quiggs, I couldn't think of a, a fun non-hockey intro, but then you provided me with the solution to my not-a-problem problem there, because... So Quiggs, just before we started recording, came back. Uh, he's like, I got to go do something real quick. He came back and he's like, all right, I'm good to go. And he's like, yeah, what are you eating? You eating a pretzel or something, bud? And the, the Quigster over here had a little Oreo snack just before the show, which is a great pre-show snack, in my opinion. It, it's, it's like how Marshawn Lynch has his Skittles. <laughs> the Oreo, I am Marshawn Lynch, and the Oreo is my That's your beast Skittles. mode. You're in beast mode right now. It is, yeah. I'm feeling, and I'm in beast mode right now. As you can clearly tell, I sound horrifying, per <laughs> usual. And it's like, there's just something about the Oreo that, like, it's just, it's perfect. There's, like, there's nothing wrong with the Oreo. Like, now, I have seen, like, these mega stuff ones. Those are just asinine. It's too much. Like, it's way too much. And I'll be honest with you. I used to be exclusively double stuff Oreo. Oh, wow. Like, if I got Oreos, it was only double stuff. And I was like that, honestly, since, like, my childhood mm-hmm. up until, like, a, a year ago, if that. And now I just get the normal Oreos. And I'll be honest, the normal normal Oreos... Way better than double stuff. Like, significantly better. I just want the Oreo people to stop fucking around. They made one great product to start with, okay? They made just a a perfect little sandwich cookie, and they keep screwing around. They keep making flavors that nobody wants. Nobody wants these flavors, and the flavored Oreos suck. They try hard, they make every flavor in the book, and it's never good. The OG is where it's at. I'll say this. Have you ever had the golden Oreo? The golden Oreo is all right. Yeah. The golden Oreo is a good I like, vanilla sandwich cookie. I'll give the golden Oreo credit. I love golden Oreos. And those I'm actually okay with being double stuff, which is weird. Well, that doesn't make any sense. I actually understand it because the thing about a classic Oreo is the proportion between chocolate and vanilla, uh, very much in a Jerry Seinfeld uh, black and white cookie sense, is a perfect proportion. It is a perfect proportion yeah. between the two. Yeah. Whereas when you have the double stuff, there's too much vanilla to the chocolate. And the thing is, with a double stuffed golden Oreo, that's just a shit ton of vanilla. It's a good time. Yeah. Well, I used to think that the double stuff was the proper amount of cream filling. And like for years, I thought that. And I thought that the normal Oreo was too little. 
But now that I'm having normal Oreos more, I'm like, wait a minute, no. This is the absolute perfect amount. And like any more would be just insane. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. Like uh, <laughs> if somebody gave me a thing of double stuff right now, I would eat them. Okay. Oh, yeah. I would definitely eat them. But like I I just, man, the, the, the first one, the OG is the OG for a reason. It's a, it's a great regular yeah. ass sandwich cookie and i just every flavor they come out with just sucks the cream doesn't taste right unless it's the original cream yeah like they have like the 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 reverse one where it's like the golden oreo cookie but like there's chocolate filling inside and it's like that's not it that's not that ain't it that's not it that's not the move no and like listen i i support trying things but like some of these little science experiments they've been working with here are just it's got to stop steve it's got to stop they got to shut it down shut it down what are you doing you got a perfect sandwich cookie and you're just gonna take it and you're gonna ruin it you're gonna disgrace your father i haven't done sean taffer in a while i don't know if my throat was ready for that but uh here we are you know i've got peppermint tea tonight and peppermint tea is a very soothing tea on the throat. So I'm, I'm ready for some more John Taffer. But the Philadelphia Flyers aren't quite playing poorly enough for John Taffer to make a, uh, a full appearance. It's true. It is true indeed. And, you know, we're going to get right into the Flyers talk tonight because, you know what? I don't have a ton of time to edit this week. So let's go and do it to it. And we had a weird week for the Flyers, but not a bad week. Three overtime games against three Metro, well, two Metro opponents in three games. And I don't even know how I describe these games, but I like the fight that I saw out of our Philadelphia hockey flyers. Steve, the flyers are good. They're all right. They're good. They're good. They're like, I think they're a good team. They're not like a great team. They're definitely not a great like team. Like they're, no, there's definitely not a great they're team. They're certainly not great. They're not this great, like, Stanley Cup contending juggernaut or anything like that, but they're a good team. They're, the, like, they're not quite ready for primetime players. Not quite, but, like, you look at them, and it's just like, listen, they, they've taken down some good teams over the last, you know, couple weeks. I mean, they just beat the Penguins two times in a row, which, like, granted, the Penguins haven't been great. Like, at the... Like, as we're recording this right now on Thursday, Wednesday night at 9.20 p.m. Eastern time, the Tampa Bay Lightning are beating the Pittsburgh Penguins 3-0 in the third period. Ah, so like, that's a shame. Granted, it's Tampa. Tampa's good. That's a shame. Tampa's a good team. I know they've been a little underperforming this year, but, like, um, still, like the Penguins aren't what they were. They're old. They're It's just a bunch of old, decrepit people in ice skates. But, like, it's... Uh, listen, beating the the Flyers haven't beat the Penguins in consecutive games in a couple of years, and so it's very objectively it's been a while. It's objectively cool for the Flyers to beat them two times in a row, and beyond regulation to boot in both of those games. It, it's as I said last week. It doesn't matter how bad, how much tanking the Flyers are doing. I always want to beat the New Jersey Devils and the Pittsburgh Penguins. Always. Doesn't matter. I always want to beat those fucks. And you know what? It was satisfying to beat the Penguins in back-to-back days. But as I said before, I'm not on board with the tank this year like I was last year. I like seeing this team succeed. I like seeing this team do well. And I sure as shit like seeing them succeed over the Pittsburgh Penguins. 
It's awesome. Yeah. And like, listen, they, the, I think they're uh, performing above everyone's expectations or most people's expectations. I should, I should say, I'd say everybody's expectations outside of the flyers locker room. Like the only people you could yeah. say, like they're aligning the expectations are John Tortorella, Joel Farabee, and probably just those guys. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Like you hear before, like you go back to what the players said before the season and during the off season, like they were talking to Cam Atkinson and Sean Couturier. Both of them have said like, yeah, I think we're going to be a lot better this year than people think. I think it was actually uh, Scott Lawton who said it too. Like a lot of players said, we're going to be better this year than people think. Cause we got Atkinson back. We got Coots back. Like they have these young guns coming up and Tyson Forster, baby. Oh my God. I mean, he's just, he's, he's turning out to be even better than a lot of people thought. Now it's funny because he started off the season very slow, not scoring goals at all. And now he's just on a heater. I mean, he's cooking with gas, Steve. Oh, so, oh, cool down, baby. Don't cool down. Now the thing is like, what do we always say about goal scorers? Goal scorers are streaky. They are streaky as hell. James Van Riemsdyk was that way. Tyson Forrester is going to be that way. Goals. He is a goal scorer. That is what he was drafted for with the Flyers. And listen, I call it this whole section about Tyson Forrester on the sheet of Forrester to be reckoned with. And that's going to be the name of the episode. <laughs> I determined, I came up with that in the shower the other day and I enjoyed it. I'm sure somebody else has used it, but fuck them. But the thing is, I love it, man. Like I love there. One of the, there are a few things as satisfying as seeing a prospect develop. Right. You're, you're watching your babies grow up. My baby boy is doing this. And Tyson Forrester come out and let's just go through a couple of things he did in the past week. So he scored two goals against the Devils in the third period to tie it up, which is pretty incredible for a rookie to be doing. Those are clutch goals. And that's a point that the team got. It's sure it's a loser point. Right. But that's the system the NHL has. And they got it. And they got it because Tyson Forrester showed the hell up and did his thing. And then he also scored a goal in the Penguins game. He's crept up into the top 10 on the team in points. He has, so that's three goals in the last three games. And Mm -hmm. he also leads the team in power play goals with three, which for a team that has struggled on the power play since Joe Mullen and Braden Shen were here. That's huge. He actually has four goals in his last three games. Oh, wow. Uh, One of the goals in the, I believe, Devils game ended up being awarded to him when it looked like it was Sean Walker's goal. But yeah, I mean, he's killing it. He's absolutely killing it. And like, to me, what's more, what's just as impressive as his goal scoring, which like, I don't think it's a coincidence that he's all of a sudden finding the back of the net after that, the, those shootout heroics against the Islanders a couple weeks ago. Like, I, I think him getting that shootout winner against Elias Sorokin was really, really big for his confidence. Because ever since then, he's been he's just been on a heater. That was awesome. That shootout winner was awesome. That was yeah. great to see. And just to briefly talk about Sean Couturier being back, you know, I mean, Sean Couturier's had a pretty solid season for a guy who's had, like, so many back surgeries like one back surgery is phenomenal to come back from let alone multiple back surgeries but i love that coots has his own signature move now that he uses in the shootout and it's almost unstoppable it's fantastic yeah it's it's like that half turnstile thing that's i love that name the half turnstile there you go and 
I love it. And he also got the winner in overtime against the Penguins in the last game they played. And there's an awesome picture that I saw on the NHL Instagram account that I put in our show notes where you just got those, that Sean Couturier tooth cap right in the middle, Bobby Clark style. And he's like pointing and laughing and it, it rolls. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's awesome. It's excellent. Um, but Tyson Forrester, like, like I was like, his goal scoring is impressive. But what's impressing me more than the goal scoring is how he just always makes he seems to always make the right play. Like even if it's the like the little things, he seems to do it really 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 well and he has for his age, he's only 21. Um he has a really solid understanding of like which play is the right play to make at any particular time. Like I, I it was against the Penguins in game 2 of their home and home. And I can't remember the exact situation. I can't remember if the flies were on the power play or if they were, or excuse me, if they were on the PK or if they were like, if, or if they just wrapped up a PK or if they had just been hemmed in their own zone for a while. I honestly can't remember, but basically Tyson Forrester kind of, he had possession of the puck and he kind of like retreated back into his own zone without much pressure on the penguins on him. And, once the pressure started coming, he, like he went back there to kind of buy time. And once a couple four checkers came for Pittsburgh, he made a really, he kind of like spun one of them out or not spun one of them out, but kind of like put on the brakes and eluded one of them for a couple seconds and then fired the puck back up the ice off the boards. And as it kind of caromed toward uh, the neutral zone and like, that was a huge play. That that was an impressive play to me because it was a little play. Like it was a little play that like it allowed the rest of his teammates to complete their line change, get everybody back on the ice. And like that was just a real good, patient, responsible play from a 21-year-old, which you don't see a lot. No. Like in the NHL, you see a lot of 21-year-olds just trying to make a play always. And like sometimes the play to make is that simple play um, that – seemingly doesn't have any positive effect for your team, but in reality it, it does. It really does. So Tyson Forrester, man, he's, he's really impressive. I, I really, really have been enjoying watching him play. I know he had a s- slow start to the year, but God damn, Steve, he's looking good. God damn a Forrester to be reckoned with indeed. But now that hockey sense is huge and th- those little things are everything. And like, if I think of, and I don't mean to pick on Owen Tippett here, but I believe it was the end of the, the, the first Penguins game of the two they played in the past week yeah. where Gensel tied it up late. Uh, Gensel tied it up with under a minute left and the Flyers had a, a great chance to clear that puck out of the zone and Owen Tippett just fucking whiffed on that shit. Like he just did not do his job and get it out of the zone. And, you know, if he just does a simple fundamental play there and gets it out, then the Flyers win that game in regulation, which, you know, I don't know how much any of this matters. This is a team that may or may not make the playoffs. I have no expectations for them. But if things end up coming close for the playoffs, which again is a pipe dream at this point, but let's just say that things are close for the playoffs and it's between the Flyers and the Penguins for that wild card spot, that's a big point. Yeah, no, it's a big point. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and Forster, or excuse me, not Forster, uh, Tippett's made a couple like rough plays. Like, like there was that failed clearing attempt. And I think he also had a couple, uh, failed clearing attempts against 
the Penguins in Game Two of the Home and Home. I might I might be getting them mixed up, but it's like, really easy to get them mixed up when there's a Home and Home yeah. like that. But he's made a couple, you know, he's had a couple rough plays here and there over the last week, week and a half or so. But like at the end of the day, like he's he still is Titan Forrester. Like he's still noticeable and he still makes plays every night where you're like, oh, wow, like that was impressive. You know, like like especially when he's once he kind of picks up steam and he just rockets past the blue line into the offensive zone like he does that all the time. And like that is I mean, that's something that's valuable oh, for and sure that leads to goals and so we've seen him score lots of goals we've seen him kind of heat up a little bit this season he's not he hasn't been playing up to the standard I think a lot of people have been kind of expecting from him but I I wouldn't say that he's been bad no, he's just no. been falling a little short of expectations but like that it was unfortunate still, he's, that I think that one play was a very easy one for me to pick on him for. It's like a classic yeah. like Travis Sanheim, Braden Coburn, and Matt Carl situation where right, those guys yeah. play really good games, but people pick on like the 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 giant error. Speaking of which, did you hear what Travis Sanheim said after game two, the home and home? I did not. What did uh what did Sandy say over there? Sandy. So Sandy basically said the Flyers were taking a draw in the in their own zone during the three on three overtime. And I guess Sanheim said he told Travis Konechny, if we win this face off, I want you to like dart up the ice because like I, I, I see what they've been doing. I've noticed this pattern. Like I want you to go up the ice up the boards and I'll I'll get it to you. And they won the face off and he like kind of caromed it up the ice off the, off the end boards up to the, through the neutral zone. And he sprung Konechny and then Konechny set up Couturier for the game winner in overtime. So that was a really smart, like heads up call by Travis Sanheim to kind of really set up the game winner. So dude, I love that. Yeah, so that, much. I thought that was pretty cool. I think that's phenomenal. And that really just goes to show you, I know we've had a lot of Sanheim praise on this podcast this season, and it's for good reason because he has stepped it up in such a drastic way in comparison to last season. It's unbelievable. And I, I'm just like over the moon about how good and smart and confident Sanheim is out there. And you know, some guys, they get the chance to be the number one guy and don't rise to the occasion. He's getting the chance to be the number one guy and he is more than risen to the occasion. It's phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, it really, it's been great now. Granted, he's had a couple rough games. He's actually coming off a bit of a rough stretch here. Like, uh, listen, plus minus is a flawed stat. We all kind of talk about that pretty much, but like trash. He, like, if you look, dating back to the 28th of November, which was against Carolina, he was minus four. The 30th, he was minus three. Against Pittsburgh uh, on December 2nd, he was minus two. Like, he had a three-game stretch there where it was, like, kind of, it was kind of rough. And he was actually held without a point for, I think, like, eight straight games or something like that. Like, he, he was seven or eight games. He was going through it a little bit. And I'm glad that he kind of set up that overtime winner against Pittsburgh in game two of the home and home, because hopefully that'll kind of get him back into the point producing kind of zone. Um, but you know what? Like still Travis Sanheim has been regardless. He's been excellent. 
He's been a really, really good. And um, listen, his season's going to have peaks and valleys. We've already seen lots of peaks. We've seen some valleys here as well. But like, it's hard. It's, it's still hard not to be happy with what he has been showing to start the year. I mean, this is the kind of play that if he can replicate this for the at least the majority of the contract that he signed to. I think he's absolutely worth that contract if he plays like he has yeah. so far this season for, for most of the contract, you know, because like I never thought the money was that bad. It was just like the length, the term and just how poor he looked last season. That was worrisome. So seeing this out of him, like, and the thing is you don't necessarily need him to be the number one guy for the next great, really good flyers team. But like, yeah, you need him to be good. Like, you don't necessarily need him to be number one, but you need him to be good. Now, if he turns out to be number one on this team, I'll be over the moon. And there's different definitions of number one. Like, you could, if you have a balanced defense, if all three pairings are good, you don't necessarily need a top dog necessarily. Like, it helps, but if you have balance, it's okay. Uh, but most teams kind of need a top dog. But as long as Sanheim could be a really good top four defenseman, that's all I really care about. Yeah, no, I agree. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think we're seeing signs of that kind of being the case here. Um, he's, he's, you know, he's, he's showing what he's got here. The, I mean, he's, we've seen at the beginning of the year, he was playing easily the best, the best hockey of his career. I've just seen confidence out of him that I've never seen from yes. him. Like when he's carrying the puck in the offensive zone this season, He's doing it in a way that I've just never seen from him because he was advertised as an offensive defenseman when the Flyers drafted him, and we never really saw that much of it. But this year, I'm seeing what that was all about. Yeah, no, and I mean, John Tortorella said that a couple of weeks ago. He was like, this is totally different guy from what we saw last season. Like, he, he basically said, this is what I was trying to get out of him last year. And now this year, he's just, he's taken it to another level. And so he's, I mean, Torts is completely on the Travis Sanheim fan club board, executive board. I think the member, fan club. Whatever he the is. The fan now. club, yeah. He, yeah. yeah. But, uh. Yeah, he's definitely up there. And the thing is, even with that that lag in point production there, he's still number three on the Flyers with 17 points. Uh, TK leading mm-hmm. the way with 19. Sean Couturier, Coots with 17 points in 23 games. You love to wow. see that. Oh, wow. And then you've got like Tippett, Farabee. The thing is that really strikes me about this team so far and why I think they've been good is there is balance in this lineup in a way that we haven't really seen in recent years. And, you know, like they've got 10 guys with double digit points right now, which I think is pretty cool given, you know, this team doesn't have a ton of scoring power. And that was, you know, some of their struggles in recent weeks has been due to that. But the thing is, like, these guys, like, they've got a, a decent amount of talent sharing the load offensively right now. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, and listen, I, I actually want to say one more thing about uh, Sanheim here. Um, this kind of goes back to his uh, the little slump he had been on for a bit. He's leading the entire NHL in average time on ice per game. He he averages twenty over twenty six minutes per game. That's a real oh wow for me. That's like not even an Owen Wilson facetious one. That's a real oh wow. He averages more minutes per game than John Carlson, Drew Doughty, any any defenseman in the NHL. He is averaging more time on ice per game than them. And I wonder if like maybe that kind of slump had something to do with him just like 
being tired because the Flyers are coming off like a pretty busy stretch of their schedule. And maybe that had something to do with it. I don't know. This was one of the big concerns when they traded Provorov was who's going to eat those minutes up because, you know, whatever your attitude, whatever your opinion is on Ivan Provorov, you can't deny that the guy played a hell of a lot of minutes every night at defense. So somebody had to take those minutes and, you know, that you got to be in great shape to do that. So like, right. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if it wore him down a little bit, but, uh, you know, it, hopefully he's back on the upswing. Um, I really love that story about the Penguins game. I, I Regardless, though, you know, A-plus so far. Yeah, no, he's been great. Um, all right, uh, back to what you were talking you were men- You mentioned the uh, offense. Yeah, I was just talking about the fact that there's there's a lot of balance right now. I mean, you've got, you know, TK's leading the way in, in most categories here, but you've got three different guys with eight goals, so you've almost got... Four guys with double-digit goals right now. Uh, Tippett's got eight. Farabee's got eight. Atkinson's got eight. Again, you've got ten guys with double-digit points. And it just seems like there's a, a, an interesting balance to this team. And you've got contributions from the old guys. And I'm using old, like, in quotes here. But Cam Atkinson and Sean Couturier. Yeah. And the young guys are contributing. Bobby Brink has uh, 11 points. We talked a lot about Tyson Forrester. He's got 10 points. You know, it's... I'm just really enjoying this balanced approach from the team so far. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, it's it's a weird mixture of very old. Well, I shouldn't say very old because it's not like Cam Atkinson and Sean Couturier are like. It's not like the Penguins 39. over there. You know? It's not like the Penguins. They're yeah. not my age. But like, we're we're seeing a lot of contributions from very very young players and like those established vets, and that's kind of what you want to be seeing right now is you want the Flyers, young guys, to be showing what they have. And that's why it kind of is weird to me how some fans are like, we're supposed to be losing. Like We've talked about this a million times. Like If the young guys are the guys driving the wins, why are you mad? Like that That's the weirdest thing to me. Like I know people want to have a higher draft pick next year, but if the young guys are the ones who are playing well and leading to victories for the Flyers, isn't that what you want? So, and there's more coming. You still have Matt Mishkov. You still have Cutter Gauthier. Oh. Like, you still have Denver Barkey. You still, who apparently is fucking great. Oh, by I the love way. that. I'm loving the reports about Denver Barkey so far. Yeah, Oliver Bonk. Like, Bonk. you have these young guys coming up. Like, you have this next wave of young Flyers prospects coming through. And it's just like, well, when they come up, like, maybe we'll get, you know, we'll have to see what happens there, too. But, yeah, like, it's it's an interesting thing right now. There's definitely a lot of balance. And it's so awesome that the young guys are playing an integral role in it. I'm just living for the energy that Bobby Brink and Tyson Forrester bring like the, the the goddamn smiles on those guys' faces, man. They just light me up. It makes me happy when they're smiling. Bobby Brink. I, I I, just seeing, I'll never forget his first goal. The smile on his face. Like I, I, it's relatable because like, I don't know. Like I've, I've done like, I don't know. It's kind of like where if someone throws you a birthday party that like you, you got that smile that lights up a room when you walk into the room and everyone says surprise and you're all you're you know, you love it. It's the, That's it's like, the Nintendo 64 kid. Yeah, exactly. Nintendo yeah, 64! Like, he's just he just seems so genuine 
and he seems just so happy to be on the Flyers, and he's just blown away every time he scores a goal. He, it's it's just so fun to root for Bobby Brink, and it's easy to root for Bobby Brink. Genuine the is the word. Tyson Forrester. Genuine is the yeah. word here. Yeah. And the same thing with Tyson Forrester. Like, we're seeing Tyson Forrester really kind of come into his own now, and he's He's get, he gets hype when he scores. Oh, I love I it, mean, man. I love it. You got proud Papa Torts over there, which uh, that's yeah. not a phrase I thought I would be using when the Flyers hired John Tortorella. But John Tortorella is like a proud dad watching these guys. It's it's cool. I really enjoy it. It's really cool. I, I It's excellent. Um, and uh, listen, I'll, I'll say this. If Tyson Forrester ends up having celebrations like Mark Stone... Oh baby, it's on. I'm into like, it. The the Mark Stone Mark Stone has the best celebrations of the NHL because he just flails and screams, and it's awesome. And I'm hoping that Tyson Forrester does the same thing because he's kind of had a little bit of a similar kind of vibe to his celebrations as well. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I don't know. Like it's yeah, it's great seeing Torts kind of like we saw it with Bobby Brinks for a school when he walked right over to him on the bench, gave him a big, you know, pat on the back and he's doing the same thing for Tyson Forrester. And he trusts the kids. Like he really seems to trust. He clearly trusts Tyson Forrester for sure. Um, and then Bobby Brink, I know he's been a scratch a couple times, but like he seems to like Bobby Brink too. He's got him playing on the power play. He's got him playing in important minutes. And um, the thing about Bobby Brink that's interesting is like he and I noticed this about him before he got drafted. Um, I watched some film on him when he played in the CHL. And I noticed how he definitely has a little bit of like, I'm going to use the phrase that dog in him. I don't want to say he has like, you know, a Rottweiler in him or anything like that. But he's got like this little, he's got he's got some courage in him. There's a courage you know what I mean? in him. He, 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 yeah, well, I would say even more than a corgi. I, like, what, what's Corgis a dog? Are very what's smart. a breed of dog? What's a breed of dog that's small but like so aggressive? Oh well, okay, okay, I got one for you. And this is it's a, like a chow. No, no, no. We got a fly purpley classic right here. That motherfucker's a French bulldog right there. How many French bulldogs? There we go. Make up. There we go. Bobby Prink. I'd say maybe three or four. Okay, but yeah, he's like Emily's old French yeah. bulldog, Buster. And Buster was a ferocious little son of a bitch. Buster was 25 pounds. But you know what? Buster scared the shit out of me sometimes because he was a badass. Yeah. There's this girl I knew in uh, high school who she would like ask, she, like whenever her family was away, she'd be like, hey, can you let my dogs out? I'd be like, yeah. So I'd go over there and she had like these two Shih Tzu dogs and they were the worst dogs of all time, I would walk through the door and one of them would just come up and immediately bite me on the ankle and run away. And I'm like, you are an asshole. And it was like, Shih Tzus are little pieces of shit. Um, and it li- li- Steve, if the bite list for dogs counted bites from these little like pipsqueak dogs, <laughs> people wouldn't be so scared about pit bulls and German shepherds. It's true. The pipsqueak really dogs wouldn't. can bite you more than, than all of the dogs out there. Like, than the they do dogs. bite more. They do. They're awful. Like them, chihuahuas? Oh, like, chihuahuas get them the hell out of here. You know, they're all awful. I know a breeder who paired a bulldog with a shih tzu, and they called it a bullshit. 
<laughs> That's a dumb and dumber joke for the record. I just what else do you, you said? I said oh, bulldog. I you said shih tzu, and I just thought of Jeff Daniels and Dumb and Dumber, and I had to say it. So sorry, not sorry. In the words of the uh, not so great rapper Cole Beasley, does that exist? Can that happen? A bulldog shih tzu. Don't know if I'd want to see that, but probably you get that. It, it, these these breeders are bad scientists. I don't want any part of it. So, oh, they're wild. Yeah. yeah, I don't want to think about that. But as as I've got my Franken dog over here, but he's so cute. Bruce is so cute. Uh, hopefully, I oh, Bruce. hopefully I didn't stir him up. He's been very calm so far. I like him to remain calm. Very good boy right now. I just found a I just found a bulldog Shih Tzu mix, and it's actually kind of cute. Send it to me. I will review it instantly. It's honestly looks a little bit like a uh, gremlin, but it's kind of cute. I mean, I like you get it. a lot of gremlin dogs out there, you know? Get a, yeah. get a few gremlins here and there. Yeah. It's cute. It's cute. Oh, I just I said it to you know Slack. It is pretty cute. It does look like a gremlin, though, but a friendly gremlin. It's like a... It, it's, it's like a, you know, if Gizmo became a gremlin, that's what it would look like. It's a raggedy-ass dog. Like, that That dog is raggedy. It needs a lot of work. I, I like a like raggedy-ass dog. I like a project. Yeah, it's front bumpers falling off. Like it's got problems. Like any good car, it's cute. Just get some duct tape. Yeah, it's a. Yeah, it's like a. It's like a Volkswagen Bug with its <laughs> bumper falling off, and there it's go. got dents all over it. It's a cute little car. It's, you know, it's endearing. What a beauty! But yeah, so Tyson Forrester, good, good, good for the kids. Yes, good for the kids. So we've talked a lot about the offense. Let's talk a little bit about the defense, but namely about selling the defense because that's been a hot topic for your Philadelphia Flyers over the past week or so. And there are two names, right-handed defensemen that have popped up in uh, recent chatter. One of them more substantial than the other. And let's start with the substantial one. And that's one Sean Walker, who pretty much since the day the Flyers acquired Sean Walker, we've been talking about the Flyers trading Sean Walker. Yeah. So I mean, they have to trade him, I think. Um, oh, if you if, if you are Flyers... committed to the rebuild, you have to trade him. I love him. I'm I don't want to see him go. Oh, from he's awesome. Just a hockey watching perspective, because he's one of the most solid right handed defensemen this team has had in well since Niskanen. He's the most solid one they've had since Niskanen. There's no ifs ands or buts about it. And it'll be a shame to see him go. But you gotta send him packing because this team ain't quite ready for that leap, and he could bring back a couple really nice picks. Yeah, I mean, he is—he's playing as about as well as any defenseman on the Flyers. He might legit be the best defenseman on the Flyers, like up there with Travis Sanheim. He's been excellent. Um, I, I'll give Sanheim the edge there, but I mean, Sean Walker's been outstanding, um, and I think he could get a pretty solid return. I don't know if he'll get like a first-round pick, but then again, he's a right-shot defenseman. Um, and you know how hockey men love themselves a right shot defenseman. They'll do anything to get one. Um, and he's just, he's, he can play in any situation. We've seen him play on the, he's great on the penalty kill. He's excellent at five on like incredible play driving numbers at five on five. Um, even the power play, he has a little bit of, you know, experience running that too. So like, granted he shouldn't be on the power play. He's definitely not a power play player, but he can do it. We've seen him do it. So Sean Walker is an awesome player. He looks like the player 
he was pre-injury with the Kings. And it's 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 going to be interesting to see what the Flyers get for him because, I mean, they, they got to move him. If they don't move him, then that's going to be a choice, a not very good one. Right, so How old is Sean Walker I think they got He's like late 20s, 20, right? 29. 29, which 29 is a fine age, right? But it's not a good age. He's not a spring for, chicken. He's no spring chicken. He's not at an age where, and he's not quite the player that this team can build around. And like, again, our, our window for the Flyers, we're talking when Mishkov comes over. So we're talking like two, three years from now. And at that point, Sean Walker's going to be like in his declining years for a hockey player, 32, 33. Yeah. And it just doesn't fit the timeline. So we like Sean Walker, but he got to go because it's also a valuable asset. And the name of the game is getting those lottery balls. It's getting those prospects, getting any semblance of young talent you can into the system and hoping it works out. So this is a guy who could get you most likely a second, third round pick, something like that. Maybe a second and a third. That would be nice. Uh, The dream scenario is a first. And if somebody offers me a first for Sean Walker, it doesn't matter if it's the very last pick of the first round i'm taking it yeah yeah i i mean listen i i don't think a first is is gonna happen um even though he is a right shot defenseman and he is playing incredibly well but i do think his age and perhaps his history with injuries i don't know if that would play a factor as well but um that you know could play into it and so i would expect it to be more like a couple solid draft picks rather than like one first round pick. Um, but yeah, I mean like he's, you just mentioned it. Like he doesn't quite fit in the flyers timeline. Um, but I mean, several players kind of fall into that category as well. Like you look at Cam Atkinson, like he's what? 35, 36 years. Like he's older than you would think he is because he looks like a literal child. <laughs> I mean, he, he still looks like 20, one years old, um, uh, 34, excuse me, 34 years old. But I mean, he doesn't quite fit in the flyers timeline. Um, oh, I treat Cam doesn't quite fit in there either. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And that's not to say that Cam Atkinson's a bad player. He's, I love Cam Atkinson. Oh, I, a big fan, big fan. And he's yeah, part yeah. of like why the power kill is so good for this team because that's how he's yeah. been playing hockey for years. Like he was an aggressive p- penalty kill player in Columbus. Like, you know, even if he's not directly the guy doing it, he's a guy that torts can use to teach the young guys how to do it. And that's what one of the things that's been great about this team is the penalty kill, that power kill, seeing those guys be aggressive with the puck, having it in the other end. And Cam Mackinson, guess what, other teams? This is the guy who can also teach his ways to your young guys and score a couple clutch goals. How about the Flyers keeping the Penguins... Uh... Star-studded power play completely off the board in eight attempts over there over the last those two games. What a beaut that was, man! And especially because Sidney Crosby is such a notorious flyer killer in his career. To to blank that guy in multiple games on the power play, you know, not all together, obviously, but like to blank him on the power play, huge. Yeah, it was uh, quite nice. And then you got that Scott Lawton shorty. Uh, boy, did he need that. Oh, I yeah. Mean, he's, yeah. He, he's he the heart and soul that. guy, but he's still got to put up some points here and there. 
Yeah, he's he was kind of going through it a little bit, but he seems to be kind of getting back into the groove now, so that's good. But man, this PK is awesome. It's, it's so good. Not something I was expecting to say this year. Brad Shaw, baby. Brad Shaw. Brad I Shaw, mean, who, you got... If you folks go back and you listen to our coverage, maybe we should republish that. Just my opinion on that matter. Not a bad uh, idea. Yeah, not a bad idea. Uh, you know what? We're going to put it back out there. We're going to make it brand new, and we're just going to put the Brad Shaw interview out there because it's so good. Uh, Quiggs and I, but mainly Quiggs because he was crushing it that day, interviewed Brad Shaw last year at the Flyers Carnival. And man, number one, awesome dude. Would love to talk to Bradshaw again because he yeah. was so easy to talk to. Very funny guy. But him talking about having an aggressive penalty kill, that power kill, as he called it. Mm-hmm. So cool. So refreshing to see because it's one of the most forward mindsets, modern mindsets that I've seen from a Flyers coach of any sort in a very long time. Yeah, and I'll be honest, I think this might be the best Flyers penalty kill that I have seen since I started watching hockey back in 2012. I mean, it's excellent. I I haven't seen a Flyers penalty kill could probably... I mean, I don't really recall how good the the Richards-Carter-Briere-Gagne teams were. I I don't think they were bad necessarily, but... You know, I think maybe the Ken Hitchcock teams, those were very solid defensive teams because Ken Hitchcock... Very good defensive coach. Some of the most boring hockey you'll ever see, but very good yeah. defense. Yeah. But this I mean, is I mean, fun. Excellent. This is fun. This is a fun. I thing. like watching the put. Yeah. Like I'm in, when they go on the PK, like a lot of teams, a lot of fans are just like, oh God, we're going to be shorthanded. I hope we don't allow a goal. And like, for me, I'm like, sweet. I get to watch the Flyers penalty kill. Which is awesome. Words that were not on my bingo card coming into the season. Yeah. Like I'm more excited to watch the Flyers PK than their power play yeah. and it's right now they're they rank sixth in the nhl with in uh um like pk percentage so pretty good and the teams ahead of them uh this is actually a kind of a funny mix of teams you got the boston bruins at number one the Dallas stars at number two the los angeles kings at number three the Vegas Golden Knights at number five. So all all those teams kind of make sense. Can you name the Can you name the team that is ranked fourth in penalty kill percentage? Is that the Philadelphia Hockey Flyers? They are number six. They're number six. Oh man! Do you know who number four is? Number four. I do not know who number four is. Who is it, good sir? The Columbus Blue Jackets for some reason. Oh, wow. That's really fucking funny. I have no idea how. I I couldn't name you five Blue Jackets if you put a gun to my head. Meanwhile, the Columbus Blue Jackets rank 26th at the power play, so that's funny. <laughs> but yeah, even with Johnny Goudreau. He's been terrible this year, though. Uh, he has not been great. Yeah, um, I, also, I have I, him I on should... my BSH fantasy team. He's been terrible. I also should not be... Uh, throwing shade at the, uh, excuse me, at the uh, Blue Jackets power play because they are two spots better than the Flyers power play. Well, that's because Tyson Forrester just hadn't arrived yet. Well, that's right. Yeah. Now that he's here and now that he's our baby, I mean, he's our baby. Tyson Forrester, he's our baby. baby. I'd say so. Jeff Garcia, he's our baby reference for you Flyers fans who don't know some of the deep Eagles Twitter references. Yeah. Yeah. 
But, but uh, uh, so yeah, I PK is awesome. Yeah, so I just wanted to to kind of loop back to the defensive rumor. So Sean Walker, I don't think he's going to get traded early in the season. But if you're Danny Briere and you get even an offer of like let's say a second and a third, do you bite at this point just because of his injury history and just you want to make sure you get something good for him? I mean, yes. Um, I don't know. There's some smoke I, I, behind me, this. We bring this up because Jeff Merrick, or not Jeff Merrick, but uh, uh, rather, why the fuck am I not remembering 32 Thoughts right now? Elliot Friedman. Elliot Friedman. How can I forget one of the, the best out there? Elliot Friedman mentioned him on the 32 Thoughts podcast. Uh, this quote, thanks to uh, Holmes over there, Thomas Williams over on BSH for uh, transcribing this, said, uh, that's another right-hand shot D. Now, it's not. That's uh, the snarly Nikita Zadorov or the shot-blocking machine. That is a Chris Tanev, but he is someone who is having a really great season, talking about Sean Walker. So there is smoke behind this. And obviously, we've been talking about it since day one of acquiring Walker. So at some point, he should be traded this season. It's just a matter of when, and hopefully he stays healthy until the trade deadline if they wait that long. And, and that's the thing, like... I feel like it would be more appropriate for the Flyers to wait until the trade deadline because that's when teams can kind of like bargain teams. Like there could be like a bidding war for him. You know what I mean? Um, But like if they trade him right now, I wonder if they would be able to get as much for him as they would if they wait a little closer to the deadline for that reason. Um, So like personally I would wait for the deadline, but like, you do worry about injuries. Um, you do, you know, like, I do think his play is sustainable because just the way he plays. I mean, he's, he's fucking awesome, man. He's really he's good. He's, he's really solid. He's consistent. Man. He rarely has these lapses. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like I feel like you wait till the trade deadline and get the highest, kind of trade him to the highest bidder, basically. But uh, I don't. Listen, if someone's offering you the right package right now, go for it. Why not? Yeah, for sure. And the same thing with Rasmus Ristolainen. If somebody comes to me tomorrow and offers me a third round pick for Risto, I'm like, yeah, sign me up, buddy. I'll be honest. Risto has not been bad since he got back in the lineup. The problem is I know that guy's floor and it's real low. It's limbo champ low. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But he's been pretty good. But has he, been, has he been up to his contract good? Oh, no. Well, that'll never happen. Right. Which but is why I'm like, get rid of that contract. Been, he's been fine. Like, I haven't. I like, agree. I've I agree. seen him on the ice and I haven't been like, oh, God, here we go. You know right, what I mean? Right. Like, oh, here we go. It's not like seeing Tony D'Angelo step on the ice. Jesus Christ. You're just you're just you're just clenching your ass cheeks waiting for High danger hey, chance for hey. the opposing team. Watch your tone. Can't do that, Tony. Watch your tone. Can't do it. <laughs> Tony, 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 Risto. Tony. Risto, Risto, Risto. Good, good for Risto. I'm glad for Risto. He I mean, seems to be uh, improved. I don't know if there's any, like, I've seen some murmurs out there. I don't know if there's anything to it that Risto, I'm sure he's on the trade block because, like, why wouldn't Danny Briere have that contract on the trade block? Especially if there's another Chuck Fletcher out there who's going like, no, 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 this guy's got potential and he might for all I know. And maybe we'll see it. I don't know, but I do know that guy's floor and I know that guy's contract and I'm very happy to say bye-bye now. 
Yeah, I mean, what, I, I what's think the minimum? Be... What's the minimum for a Risto deal that you need to to part ways? I mean, would you do it for a third? I'd do it for a fourth. I would do it for a fourth too, just because of the contract. If he made yeah, the contract isn't. If he made two mil less a season. I wouldn't mind him that much. He's getting paid like a, a top pairing guy and he does not, he play. he's a second pairing guy at best at, on his best day. He's a second pairing at absolute guy. best. Yes. Yeah. He has to be pretty fucking best, good. Yes. <laughs> pretty fucking good that day. Um, and yeah, like if a team comes calling about Risto, you, I mean, you gotta, you gotta try, but like, I just don't know who's asking about him. Right. Like, right. Like I, I, I'm not, I'm not banking on any team clearly Edmonton calling the flyers and asking about Rasmus Ristolainen. Edmonton, Toronto, every Canada team. They're, they're looking for that grit. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> he's hard to play against the playoffs. Listen, this is well, this is well known in the zero games. Risto experience that he has playing in the playoffs. Risto, Sean Walker, Carter Hart, for Dreisaitl. Who says no? Sounds like a solid trade to me. Solid trade. No way Edmonton can say no. Bring Carter Hart home, Edmonton. Make it happen. That'll save your season. I, I guarantee it. I mean... Yeah, can we talk about Sam Erson? I will talk about Sam Erson. Son of heirs! Sam Erson, man, is uh, pretty fucking good. Like... I've really been enjoying trust, what I've seen out of him, and he was really good in that Pittsburgh game. They trusted him in that Pittsburgh game, the the first of the home and home. He was at PPG Paints Arena, you know, hostile territory, and he killed it. I mean, granted, he let in, I believe it was three goals in that first game, but um, I think just about every one of them were like weird redirections. So like they, they were goals or not redirections, but like goals that he didn't really have any business stopping that were not his fault essentially. Well, and also we talked about the third goal in that game and that was mainly because the Flyers yeah. just couldn't clear the goddamn puck because yeah, was the, I mean, that goal shouldn't have happened. They should have won that game in regulation. They should have just been able to clear the puck, but they didn't. So, you know, like, Honestly, that's a rock solid effort from him in, I, I think, one of the most hostile environments in the NHL. Like, we will talk shit on Pittsburgh all day. Uh, you know, it's it's not hard for me to do that. But ultimately, and by the way, I have to laugh real quick because one of the listeners sent me on Instagram a message about, uh, what was it? Like, people in Pittsburgh actually eat pizza where the crust is cooked and the toppings are put on cold. So to answer your question, yes, Pittsburgh is as fat as it sounds. Yeah. I don't know if that's true, but if it is, that's horrifying to me. Come on. What are you doing? What are you doing? There is no reason to have pizza from Pittsburgh. No, no, don't do it. It's get like, what are you doing? Go get some pierogies if you're out there, bro. Come on, get some pierogies, but talk all the shit I want on Pittsburgh. The fans fucking show up since Sidney Crosby started there. Never forget Kansas City, guys. Never forget Kansas City. But regardless, the fans show up. They are a rabid fan base. They love their hockey. Not an easy place to play. So for Sam Erson to go in there as such a young goaltender and have a performance, you know, a solid performance on, you know, the Flyers had had a bit of a rough streak, too, for a couple weeks. And they just had a, a heartbreaker against New Jersey, a game they came back and tied and then promptly lost in overtime. So... That was really, if you're a team that 
thinks you can make the playoffs. And again, I'm talking real like big ifs here, guys. I'm not delusional, okay? But if your team that has the confidence to think that you are young up-and-comers who can make the playoffs, that's a big game that you have to win. And for him, that's that's a huge performance for him there. Don't look now, but in his he has he has won each of his last four starts, and he's won five of his last six starts. And in his last six starts, he has a .938 save percentage and 1.51 goals against average. Hachi Machi. He, quite good. Very, very good for a young 24-year-old goalie. So, um, yeah, good for Sam Merson. After a really, really rough start to the year, he looks pretty good. And uh, I love to see it because he seems like a really good dude, too. So he's just a really authentic, just genuinely, like, nice dude. Good enough to trade Carter Hart? Can't answer that, Steve. (laughs) Can't answer that question. This is such a weird hill for me to be on because, like, you know... I maybe two years ago, like not a chance in hell. I'm ever trading Carter Hart. This guy is the future of the franchise. And now I'm like, nah, if you get me a a great frigging package, I'm all over it because I am in on this rebuild. And this isn't to say that I have confidence in Urson to be the flyer starting goaltender moving forward, probably far from it, but I like him. And I think he's a great stopgap. If you do decide to make that Carter Hart trade, which again is a huge deal for this franchise. If they decide to do that, but he, he does right. have an RFA yeah. contract coming up. So it's something we have to consider. Exactly. Yeah. And like with the fly, that's the main thing for the flyers is like, you got Hart, who is good by all accounts. He's a very, very, very good goalie, but like, he's going to want so much money on this next contract because he is, yeah, he is a bona fide franchise goalie. I think, I think he definitely is. And as such, he's going to want a significant pay increase. Like, I'm talking probably minimum like six and a half, seven mil a year, if not significantly more. That's a nice chunk of change in the NHL's tight salary cap to commit to a goaltender. And we've seen how goaltender deals work out. They are always risky. Looking at Carey Price, looking at Sergei Bobrovsky, looking at Matt Murray, like... Even looking at uh, at Jack Campbell, right? Soup over there. Like, these are Looking at deals. Ilya Brizgalov. Ilya Brizgalov. 2027, Flyers are still paying that guy until 2027. Good Lord. Travis Hughes' article is still in the hopper, wait, just waiting to be published. Yeah. God, I wish I could be Briz. Just show up and get my million-dollar paycheck every year and go to the beach or whatever. Yeah. it's, uh, it's pretty, uh, That's got to be incredible. It's like a little pension. But, uh, yeah, no, I mean, he's, it's, it's a, uh, it's a crazy thing. And, um, but yeah, I I think the Flyers do have, they, I mean, they definitely have a huge decision to make here with the the heart situation. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I don't want to get too deep into it because it's, it would give me a a conversation for another day, but yeah, I'm not, I'm not ready to jump into that quite quite yet no it's good the sun's getting real low big guy we gotta go soon because i i i I don't have a lot of time to edit this week as i said so we do uh we can't talk too much more but definitely to be continued on the carter hart front unless danny briar signs it to an extension tomorrow you never know whomst to say whomst among us whomst 
Folks, before we go, gotta mention something, and I'm super pumped for it. And that is one of my favorite events of the year, the BSH Festivus Party. A Festivus for the rest of us. Sadly, we could not have it on Festivus proper this year. That would be the 23rd. But we're having it a day beforehand. And it's a Friday night, which is friggin' awesome. So, 1222, Sports and Social Live Casino, 6 p.m., very excited. Sports and Social has been a great venue for the draft parties for the past couple of years. So I am psyched about that. And it's they always love a good time. hockey. They love us. We love them. They love us. Huzzah. It's a great time. So show up. Nice. And it's going to be great. The Flyers are playing the Red Wings, which I think is going to be a great matchup. I think these are just like two not quite equal teams. I think the Red Wings are really up and comers and they've been having a really nice year for themselves, but the Flyers are unexpectedly good. And I think they're, they're pretty close. So I think it's going to be a really, really good game. Love beating the Red Wings. So I would love to beat Detroit that night. Here's the best part. Free food and their drink specials. Come on. How can you beat that? That is quite nice. And who knows? Maybe someone who's rich might pay for everyone's drinks. <laughs> don't don't float that. That was a, a one-time yeah, deal as far as I know. Thing. Was, <laughs> I know. That's a one-time That was thing. a great time. But do, do not expect that. Hey, free food regardless. I always enjoy the bites that they give us. Always a good time. And the thing is, they have a fuck ton of TVs, okay? There's a ton of TVs yeah. for this. It's really cool. It's a great venue for it. Come out. Say hello. Hang out. Crush some cold ones, watch some Flyers hockey with yours truly, and the rest of the BSH gang. It would be a lot of fun. I sadly cannot be there because I still don't live in Philadelphia yet. Yet. Coming soon. But TBD. um, Most of the BSH crew will be there, and it's going to be really, really, really fun. So you should go. You should go hang out with us, the the BSH crew, and... Um, at bare yeah, minimum, just have a good time at bare minimum. Yeah. I'm going to be there and Kelly's going to be there. And that's a damn good time in and of itself. Just go there and get fucking wasted while you're watching the flyers. Get that's that what Uber this home. is all about. Get you that need Uber to air those, gr- air those grievances air the grievances. and, uh, yeah, bring a poll and it'll be awesome. Serenity now let's go. I'm excited. See y'all on the 22nd. Can't wait. All right, folks, we're going to wrap it up, but thank you so much for listening. We truly appreciate and cherish you all. If you have any feedback for us, I guess the best place is still on social media of certain sorts. I'm on Twitter slash X, not really doing shit on there. It's Flyperbole. It's an Esteban. I'm on Instagram, Flyperbole. I'm on TikTok, Flyperbole. Got to do more on there. I know it. Got to do a better job. I'll do it. Okay. I won't, but I'll try. Regardless, I appreciate uh, the honesty. I, you know, you got to be honest. Otherwise, what are you even doing in this world? Quigs, where can people find you to give you some feedback on the old show? Find me at Ryan Quigs with a Z on Twitter and or slash X, uh, Instagram, Blue Sky. Blue Those Sky. Follow me on Blue Sky. Yeah. I'm on threads. I don't really do threads. Uh, I, get, I get a threads yeah, that pops so. up in my Insta every now and then. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's a thing. Yeah, I just don't even get on it. No, no. And uh, there's another one I wanted to mention. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I gave Quigs the password to the email. So uh, if you want, send us an email over at flyperbole at gmail.com. That is also a way to reach us. Yeah, or don't. I really don't care. <laughs> I mean, we like hearing the nice things, but just show up in person on the 22nd, get a sticker and a magnet for me, and tell me all the nice things in person, and we'll buy each other beers, and it'll be great. And when I move to Philly... 
Um, you, what you could do is not email us with your dirty thoughts and just come to one of the BSH events and tell me to my face, bitch. <laughs> There you go. Well, when you come to Philly, we'll have to have the uh, honorary flyperbole party. And by honorary party, I mean, we'll pick a brewery and have a bunch of people show up. And then the bartenders will go, what the hell is going on? <laughs> Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Don't, Don't worry about it. it. We'll just Don't all go to, we'll go to Human Robot in South Philly and uh, we'll all get uh, blasted on uh, loggers and such. That sounds splendid and very nice. I, I just got to give a shout out. Human Robot opened up a tap room down in South Philly where separatist and carbon copy were and loving it, loving it so far. Keep up the fine work, love a good brewery, but that's a conversation for another day. I got to go, but thanks so much for listening folks. We love and cherish y'all. And until next time in the words of the great Gene Hart, good night and good hockey. Wow. And one more time, thanks to the good folks over at Bet Online for sponsoring this show. Be sure to use promo code Believe B L E A V for your fifty percent welcome bonus on your first deposit. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel, and I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, "Didn't see that coming," and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.